Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. going to share heart with you tonight and um, probably what we share will be more milder gentler (laughs) than the way I was on Sunday morning but what we're going to share is what we live and what I've experienced in the last I would say 15 years and um, as Pastor Tim mentioned I treasure relationships that God has blessed me with and my family. I treasure my family and the relationship we share together as we do ministry together. And I realized that God is the God of the family. He didn't call individuals, he called families. He said to Abraham, you and your household come on out and go to a place where I will show you he also said to Noah you and your family Joshua said as for me and my household we will serve the Lord and I've come to believe that God calls families to serve him and gives them a allotted territory where he has commissioned them to labor and work and so I trust you realize that we are living in the days of restoration that before the Lord Jesus comes back all things the word says will be restored and one of those things that God is at work restoring within his household is relationships and primarily fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. We are living today, Stephen and I and the other spiritual sons that I walk with, fulfilling prophecy, literally, that was given so many hundreds of years ago. In Malachi 4, I'm sure you're familiar with that, the word God said, I will send you Elijah the prophet. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to lay a biblical foundation for what we are experiencing and what we are currently living with my family. And then I'm going to ask Stephen to share from a son's perspective. And so the word says that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, that he will send Elijah the prophet and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God spoke prophetically of the time when he would send Elijah the prophet in order to restore 
the generational blessing to his people because it was severed and because the relationship between father and son was severed. So he will come to restore primarily the generational blessing to his people by restoring the relationship between fathers and sons. And after 400 years of silence, the angel of the Lord announces the birth of John the Baptist. And you know what his ministry was primarily about? Who would come, he said, in the spirit and power of Elijah. And notice what he will do. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so that scripture was fulfilled partly in the days of John the Baptist. When Jesus was asked by his disciples, though, about the coming of Elijah, he said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things, but I say to you that Elijah has already come. Notice the two words that Jesus uses. He said, he is coming and he has come. He is coming and he has come. The spirit of Elijah has returned once in the person and ministry of John the Baptist. And though he has done no noted miracles, his ministry raised a spiritually dead nation. Through his message and fathering spirit, John the Baptist bridged the generational gap between fathers and sons, turning the hearts towards God and toward each other. Now, the power and spirit of Elijah is primarily a fathering spirit. And it is present today, not on an individual, but upon a company of prophetic and apostolic fathers who are serving in the ministry of restoration. These forerunners are identified by a strong prophetic anointing and a genuine fathering spirit with an apostolic mandate to bring restoration to the house of God. God has been preparing these fathers for years, hidden away in their own deserts of hardship, isolation, and testing. They are not primarily sent to the world of sinners, but they are sent to the church. It's important to understand that. The mission is to restore divine order in the house of God and bridge the generational gap between fathers and sons and thus lift the curse from the earth. 
Because the father said, unless this is restored, the curse will remain. By and large, the church, as we know it, is in a state of brokenness today and despair. And we don't need to look far to witness the reality of which we are living in. Because of a lack of genuine fathering, and I believe the absence of strong and godly leadership, the church is in a state of oppression. Where there are no fathers, there is an oppressive spirit. Whether it's in a family, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a community at large. The absence of fathers invites the spirit of oppression. Now, Isaiah says in Isaiah 51 and 18, there is no one speaking of prophetically of the church to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth, nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? One of the primary characteristics of our modern society today is fatherlessness, which is expressed by an orphan heart and an orphan way of thinking which leads to lawlessness, violence, rebellion, and disregard for any form of authority or sound government. And we see it all around us. The curse of fatherlessness, both in the natural and in the spiritual, has left a trail of devastation far too great to contemplate or mention. The orphan heart will drive a person to the brink of destruction again and again through patterns of destructive and unlawful behavior, seeking love, affirmation, and affection in all the wrong places. See, if you don't get that in the home, you will try and find it somewhere else and in ways which are unlawful wrong places and practices and this is the result i believe of fathers who have taken leave of absence from their responsibilities towards their offspring this is this message that i'm sharing with you today is very much on my heart it grieves and it pains me and it drives me and it inspires me to share this message and this word wherever I go. In fact, this is the central message that I preach wherever I go. And, and I see how people gravitate to it because they, they, they're looking for that which I'm sharing with you today. The foundation of spiritual inheritance in the kingdom of God is a relationship of a father to a son. And I want to say that again because it's important. The foundation of spiritual inheritance 
in the kingdom of God is the relationship of a father and son. I personally believe that those in ministry today, in whichever ministry you are, or in the marketplace, we must develop the heart of a father and raise up a generation of sons and daughters in a double portion anointing. Today I have sons and daughters who are in the marketplace, who are in business, who are in the media, who are pastors. We can be in all spheres of society. It doesn't have to be in a church setting. Now, the church today is in desperate search for godly and genuine fathers. Fathers who will not compete with the sons in ministry, Fathers who will not control and manipulate those under their authority. And we've seen much of that as well, which it's been abused even in the church setting. And many have been hurt. But just because some have been hurt or many, it doesn't mean there's, a genu- there's not a genuine message. Now, so looking for fathers who will rather get underneath the sons and lift them up and encourage them and put them on the spiritual shoulders, helping them to see and to go beyond they have ever gone in their own ministry. I woke up one evening a number of years ago out of a sound sleep and my my, my spirit was communicating with my mind and it was having fellowship. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I got up and I didn't want to miss what, what my spirit was communicating to my mind and I wrote it down. And this is what I wrote. I find my, graded, my greatest fulfillment and pleasure in ministry by helping those whom God has given me to become all that God has called them to be. You see, when you reach a spiritual mature age, you realize that it's no longer about yourself or about your dreams or your ministry. You think of those primarily whom God has given to you. And you think of ways, how can I best serve them? How can I invest my life into these wonderful people that God has brought into my life so that when I leave this earth, I don't leave ministry, I don't leave buildings, but I leave a legacy of sons and daughters who will continue the work of the ministry. And I will continue to live in my spiritual offspring. In fact, A number of years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, the greatest impact and influence of your ministry will no longer be done by you, but by those whom you have personally mentored and trained and discipled and invested into. They will go far beyond you have ever gone. And I believe that my life one day will be defined by the people I leave behind. That's, that is 
from here until the Lord takes me is my primary focus to invest my life in those whom God has given me and to develop these beautiful relationships that are so rich and genuine people today in the church are looking for authenticity they're looking for something that is real and genuine and not just pretense and facade and something that is and the and the young generation are looking for that they're looking for authenticity and genuineness in the house of God the church is looking for fathers who will not build for themselves anymore but turn the hearts towards their sons and daughters and build them up in the Lord and raise them up give them a shoulder to stand on I just love doing that <laughs> I, I wish that I could just step aside and just disappear in order to give room and vacancy to those whom I, have, I love and, and appreciate and train so that they can go on. For these kind of relationships to be restored to wholeness, I believe both fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, must allow the Spirit of God to do a genuine work in their hearts. That's why I said to you last night, that through my death, life sprang forth. Life sprang forth. But I had to go through my own death. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. They must allow the Spirit of God to do a genuine work, reconnecting them and allowing the blessing of God to flow from one generation to the next. It's about God is the God of the generations. That is why he's called the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Where was the multiplication? Not in Isaac, not in Jacob, but in the third generation. Amen. Now, we believe that the ultimate expression of God's heart toward us is that of a loving Father. And we sang it tonight. You are a good, good Father, not a dictator. I believe that every father and mother would raise children, should raise children, in such a way where the little ones would say to them, if Heavenly Father is anything like you guys, I cannot wait to see him. I cannot wait to meet him. If, if what you tell me about God is anything like you have, have shown me and the way you have loved me and the way you have sacrificed for me, I cannot wait to meet him. That's, I believe, what God desires from every parent. Now, not much has been taught and preached about the relationship we have now come to know as father and son or the blessedness which flow out of this God-ordained relationship which is designed to activate not just a blessing but a spiritual inheritance. This is what we are after, not the blessing. 
but the inheritance, which is far greater than just the blessing. Amen? From one generation of believers to the next. Stephen today, Michael and others, they enjoy things which they've not worked for. They have platforms which they have not labored for. They meet wonderful people which they have not invested in those relationships. But they are reaping the benefits. That's inheritance. Amen. Michael was in tears the other day. He said, I didn't do anything to deserve this. And I'm stepping into a building that is fully paid for. Into a church that, that someone else has labored for. And it's ready for me to build on that. You see, that's the inheritance of a son. A son doesn't have to fight for anything. All that I have belongs to him. (laughs) When he comes home, the first thing he does is go to the fridge. (laughs) Everything I have belongs to him. It's his because he's a son. But an orphan has to fight For everything he gets. And sweat and strive and struggle. There's so much striving today within the house of God. Sons don't have to strive. Daughters don't have to strive. They just walk into an inheritance for which they have not labored for. That's what we call inheritance. Isn't that beautiful? So... This father-son-mother-daughter relationship, it is a God-ordained relationship through which God imparts to another generation. There are some things you cannot teach. They get caught. Amen. I really believe that. You, You can't teach. You catch them by being around those who carry something. Amen. And I realize I've walked with Ken, who has been my spiritual father for 23 years. You know, he didn't sit down and teach me. In fact, he hasn't taught me anything from the Word, but I caught a lot of things by being around him. You catch these things. If you walk with someone who has a father's heart, guess what's going to happen? You're going to catch a father's heart and you're going to raise up spiritual children. Whether you, It happens through alignment. Amen. That's why alignment is so very important. You can't get where you want to go unless you align with the right person. Somebody has to take you there. And sometimes it's not teaching. It's just impartation by walking with that person. Now, It's a God-ordained relationship through which God imparts purpose, vision, values, inheritance through expressed love and servanthood. It is initiated by the Spirit of God in the heart of both father and son. This thing, we can't manufacture this thing. So you better not try. Sometimes we hear messages like that and we go trying to manufacture something. This is a spirit-led, spirit-guided thing. You can't manufacture it. The Spirit of God has to work in your heart. 
So it is initiated by the Spirit of of God, both in the heart of the Father and the Son. It is finding one another in the Spirit and the turning of the heart towards God and towards one another for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. Both are brought together by the leading of the Spirit of God and both are motivated by a strong spiritual desire to love and to serve one another for the purpose of advancing the interests of the kingdom of God. Now, the son primarily, this is his function, this is naturally what he does, honors and serves the father. And the father blesses and releases the son. It is fathers who activate and release sons and daughters. And that's what happened with Stephen. That's what happened with Michael. That's what happened with others. I spoke prophetically a word to them which activated and released them. I remember that Stephen was working in a, in a marketplace as, a, as an IT manager of an IT developing team. And he was there for years, but the time has come for him to shift and transition. And during the last few months, he became very oppressed in that place. And one Sunday morning, the Spirit of God moved in our fellowship. I gave an altar call. Stephen came forward. And as I walked towards him and laid my hands on him, he began to weep. And I saw this, this vision. I saw him in a very dark place, oppressed. It was, it was draining him of life. And I stepped into that room where he was and I looked at my shoes and they were boots of steel. And I kicked the wall in that room and I opened the door and I reached out my hand and grabbed his and I took him and brought him onto a platform that was full of light. You see, the fathers activate and release sons. He couldn't release himself. It's impossible. It was impossible. That's how God designed the relationship to work. And as, as, as Pastor Tim mentioned, I have another spiritual son back home to whom I have entrusted the church, which my wife and I established many years ago. And... Michael, dad says to me, dad, what you have with Michael is, is, really, is really very special because he's not my natural son. Stephen is my natural and my spiritual, but Michael is only a spiritual son. But he brought so much joy to our family and has taken such a load off of my shoulders. When I'm away, I'm not concerned about the church. He takes good care of the church. And he loves the people. So in this relationship, there are no hidden agendas, no selfish ambitions. A genuine father-son relationship is free of control and free of manipulation. In other words, <laughs> I do not relate to you in order for what I can get out of you. Amen. You know, so many of us today, we relate to someone because of what we get out of them. But there's no such thing in a father-son relationship. I mean, it's, it's, a, 
we simply relate because we want to serve and to give of our time, of our substance, of our gifts in order to be of help and assistance to their growth and spiritual development. Now, I'm finishing and I'm going to hand over to Stephen from his side. As a son, he will share with you some of the things the Lord put in his heart. Now, there is a difference between a spiritual and a natural father. Because what's born of the flesh is flesh. But what's born of the spirit is spirit. Amen? Amen. So, Stephen, as I mentioned to you, I'm very proud of him. And I'm so blessed and privileged to have him come alongside and minister with me. And the Lord has surprised actually both of us because he wasn't intending to share in any of the meetings. But God had other plans and I'm glad. I'm glad. So as a son now, he's following in his father's footsteps. And I'm so blessed and, and, and proud of him. And I just want to hand over to him to, to minister and share what's on his heart. Stephen, over to you. Father, like son. Evening, Freedom Family. Good evening. It's a real privilege and honor to to stand before you today and and just share share our hearts with you. It's a real privilege to to get to know the Franklin family and to spend time in their home with their family. Amen. And just to catch their heart. And you're probably thinking that I'm going to be talking about myself and my dad, but I'm going to. I'm going to surprise you a little. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close their eyes for a moment. I want to give you a picture that the Lord revealed to me this morning. This morning as I woke up and I, I got ready and I got dressed, I walked into the Franklin garage and the Lord gave me a beautiful picture of a mature father-son relationship. It was a picture of Tim and Joshua both hunched over what I call the bonnet, but you guys call that. Hood, hood of the car, hood of Joshua's car. And both of them were figuring out how to fix the issue that was wrong with Joshua's car. You guys can open your eyes now. For me, this image stood out. It was a beautiful image. You see, a lot of us, we see, we see fathers and sons, and we always see a very young son and a very mature father. But you know, a father-son relationship is unique because it grows, it matures. And you know what? It gets stronger as it grows and matures. Amen. For me, I have a son of my own and I couldn't understand my father as well as I do now because I have my own son who is also very different to who I am. And the Lord encourages us to, to relate as they grow, as they mature. And it's the same with the father's heart. As we grow and we mature, he wants to grow deeper and deeper and deeper into the relationship we have with him. And that's so powerful. So seeing a mature father and son... And I'd like to encourage this freedom, this freedom family that you already have examples of father-sons in your own house. And it's a really powerful example, seeing both Tim and Joshua looking to solve a problem together. And that was a beautiful picture that the Lord showed me. And it reminded me of my own relationship with my dad and where we find ourselves today as an adult son and an adult father with one major difference. We know nothing about fixing cars. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't even think YouTube will help us to. <laughs> Other than that, the similarities between the families are striking. Like Josh, I too am a son of a preacher man. Right? My family life was intertwined with church. It's where and how I grew up. Both the location and the manifestation of that made you this per- that made this person that I'm before you. And like Josh, I served wherever and however I-, I was able to in the house. Like a newly established church, I started where I could as a kid, helping with a projector. I don't know if you remember the old projectors with the transparency form. <laughs> I'm not that young. <laughs> so, I-, I was remember helping what we called the audiovisual in those days. Then I, I at age of 16 or 14 to 16, I helped in the worship team as a drummer, where I still play today. And as I find myself standing before you today, I'm, I'm walking alongside and now ministering alongside my dad, quite literally. And like I said, I too am a father. And I've married my wife and have a children of my own. But one thing will be, always remain, that I will always be a son to my father. And that's beautiful. No matter how old you get, you always remain a son and a daughter to your mother and your father. I just want you to think of something for a moment. God established families. And the first families he establishes, the Hebraic family, is something truly unique and special that this Western world, I think, has forgotten. Where they sit around a table at least once a week. And the mothers declare blessing over the daughters and the father declares blessing over the son. Do you see how beautiful and privileged and special that relationship that God ordains and He speaks His blessing. That's why God, generations are special to Him because He is the first and He created sons and daughters. And He wants to have intimacy and fellowship with His sons and His daughters. And He wants that to be one family. Dad already mentioned my testimony of how the Lord called me out of software development, out of the, the working place, and into what you see before you, what we call full-time ministry. And my wife and I, you know, the Lord has to reveal it to your own heart too. And we went for, for a time of praying and fasting, and my wife got a scripture that could only be that scripture for us. Because the scripture that I married you with, if you remember. I was going to say that. <laughs> it's a very scripture that Dad read out at our wedding, and I can tell you, my wife wasn't so keen in sharing it because, you know, ladies they like the stability, and this was a step of faith, and um, the Lord had to reveal it to her heart, and it was one Chronicles 28, verse 9 to 10. I'm particularly going to read from the Amplified tonight. One Chronicles 28, verse 9 to 10. As for you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Have personal knowledge of Him. Be acquainted with and understand Him. Appreciate, heed and cherish Him. And serve Him with a blameless heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and minds and understands every intent and inclination of the thoughts. If you seek Him, inquiring for and of Him and requiring Him as your first and vital necessity, He will let you find Him. But if you abandon Him or turn away from Him, He will reject you forever. Consider this carefully, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and strong and do it. 
And that's what the Lord called my wife and I into. And just like Joshua and just like Solomon, we need to be told to be courageous and strong because we're not necessarily at the outset. But that, that scripture means a lot to me, as I said. Because just like Solomon, I'm a second generation son. I'm a son of comfort. I was born into something that was already established that I didn't have to fight or strive for, like Dad mentioned. And I've always known that. And sometimes I feel guilty about it. And the Lord says, why? Just like Dad says, it's an inheritance. Who feels guilty about an inheritance? And I've been born in a position, just like Solomon, when everything was made available to me. Solomon didn't have to strive for his riches. They were there. The resources were there. The blueprints for the actual temple was already designed. All he needed to do was use that wisdom that his father instructed him, like in the book of Proverbs, and use that wisdom that the Lord has imparted to him. Like I'm going to go on to share, like Dad mentioned, some things can't be taught. They can be imparted to by a catching of, of the father's heart. And he just needed to be obedient to the Lord. But note... Note, David, note the words that David chose there. He says, know the God of your father. That knowing is an intimate knowing. It's not a head knowledge. And that's what I want to share with you this evening. It's a personal, intimate knowledge of the father. The Bible depicts an intimate way we as sons and daughters are to learn, to grow, and to mature. You see, the father doesn't just want us to learn what he knows. But he wants us to learn who he is. That's the main difference. It's a heart. It's not a mind thing. He's not only interested in shaping our minds, but he wants to reshape our hearts to catch the Father's heart. Note, David was someone who had the Father's heart. That was his characteristic. And here, that Father's heart in David is pumping for his son to do exactly the same, to catch his heart. Not just to know the wisdom and the word of God. And that can only be done through intimate relationship with Him. We only need to look at another person in the Bible, which we know very well, is Jesus. Think about it. Our Lord and Father came down in His Son and watch how He walked this earth. Watch how He gathered people to Himself and encouraged them to follow Him. What does that mean to follow? You know, I think that word is, is depreciated over recent times. We see follow as a Facebook and a Twitter thing. Which means just to, to keep a keen eye on someone. Maybe they post something interesting and I'll take note. But in those days when Jesus asked the fishermen to follow him, that meant abandon your way of life and entrust your life in my hands. And follow doesn't just mean, it means to walk with him, to learn from him and to become like him. To walk with, to learn from and become like. This speaks of an intimate apprenticeship. A physical following of another. I don't know if you remember the old days of apprenticeship. Some of the eastern world still follow that apprenticeship where a mentor would pass on their trade to another. And we know in, in the biblical times, we just have to look at Jesus again. What was his natural father? Was a carpenter. What did he become? A carpenter. Just imagine a young Jesus. Now we're talking about age from 10 to 13. I mean, they already knew the, the Torah law from age 5. And they could even recite it later on. So imagine him growing up as a young boy, watching his father, just like Tim and Josh, over the, the hood of the car. And just imagine him, his father teaching him how to turn wood. 
how to craft things, how to, how to form a yoke for the oxen that's going to go on to the neighbor. Just imagine those precious moments in his own... Joseph wasn't even his natural father, but he had a special relationship. God so valued father-son relationship that he made sure his son had a natural father and wasn't just reliant on him as the spiritual father. He gave him a natural father. Why? So he can learn to be a son. And that apprenticeship role of watching his father's work and actually carrying on what his father did. But we know Jesus had two fathers. And just like me, he, stayed, he didn't stay in the working world for long. He was called to something else. And he was called to follow, follow his spiritual father. Walking with speaks of sharing life with another at close proximity. I think this is what the world has missed lately. We don't have close proximity. We have connectedness, but we don't have proximity. We don't, like I said, families don't share meals together around a table. But maybe they don't even share meals at the same time. Because our lives are so busy. How often have you went to the extended family? I know in South Africa we live a lot closer than you guys. But I know in America you only see your extended family on Thanksgiving and Christmas generally, right? Isn't that sad? That we don't spend time with our families and share meals together. Because that's when you catch people's heart. Meals are very special in the Bible. They are very special. They are not just a source of natural sustenance. They are a source of spiritual sustenance and connectedness for the family. I believe if people have meals together, you catch each other's heart. You catch, and the Lord valued meals. Jesus valued meals. When covenants were established, the next thing they did, they celebrated and they had a meal to seal the covenant. We're talking about marriages. We're talking about blood covenants with someone. Meals mean something. You see, at that proximity, at that close proximity, we have private conversations, not just public. We have we observe the character of another through the interactions with people and the world around them. See, me walking alongside my dad, see, I know what he used to do as ministry. I've his son, I've been born in the church, but I notice a big difference in coming alongside him. I observe how he interacts, how he speaks to every single person that comes around. Again, it's not something we can be taught, but it's something that we can catch. Think about Jesus and his disciples. How often did he challenge his disciples just by his actions alone? When he walked into the tax collector's house and had a meal. When he spoke to a Samaritan woman at the well, the disciples were like, what are you doing? He challenged them. He challenged them by who he was and wherever he went in that close proximity. We know, we know Judas criticized Jesus for using expensive perfume to wash his feet with. But again, he didn't understand the heart of the Father. He didn't understand the value of that precious moment. That's what it means to walk with someone. is to be close proximity. To journey along with them in life. And when you walk with someone, you learn from them. Like I said, not by what they say, but more for what they do and who they are. From their reactions to everyday life, and from the manner in which they live. I'm blessed to see a lot of children in this room. And parents will know what I'm talking about when I say kids learn more from what they see us do than what we tell them to do. Amen. Right? I found out that as a father. 
And we look at our children and we see it's a mirror reflection of our own times. And sometimes we don't like what we see. Just like sometimes we are a mirror reflection of our own parents. Right? Children learn by observing at close proximity who their parents are. That's why to raise a child in the way of the Lord is not preaching to them. It's demonstrating to them what it means to live according to the word. And that's what Jesus did. He demonstrated. He demonstrated to his disciples what it means to be a son of the Lord. Let me read you a scripture to illustrate my point. You see, we know the scripture when Jesus said that you must love one another as I have loved you. But do you know that in the same chapter before that, he said he, he tells them and he shows them what it looks like. John chapter 13, verse 12 to 15. I'm going to read from the NIV. John 13, verse 12 to 15. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he said, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me Rabbi, Teacher, Master, Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and you shall also wash one another's feet, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. He practically demonstrated what love looks like. These are the disciples that were arguing and jockeying for position moments earlier. And you can imagine them walking into the room, upper room about to, knowing that they had to have a cleansing each other but no one was there was no servant and no one did try and lower themselves to be serve one another and it took the rabbi the master the teacher to demonstrate what needed to be done and he washed their feet for them even the man who was about to betray him that's what love looks like and like dad says that's what a true father does he doesn't look at position and feel threatened. He doesn't look at position and have expect, expectancy of what's to come. He loves his children so much that he needs to demonstrate the right way to live. And that's what our Heavenly Father has done throughout the Bible. He's demonstrated the right way to live. And when we walk with and learn from, we become like. Our ultimate goal as followers of Christ is to become like Jesus. Would you agree? Amen. For me, I always think, what is, what is the whole purpose of Christianity? If I had to question a, a Christian, what is, what is your goal in life? We should all say to become like Christ. Amen. Becoming like Christ speaks of allowing His nature and His character to flow through us. That's when we say die to self. What are we talking about? If we're dying to self, we're dying to our selfishness, our pride and our own ambitions and surrendering to Jesus, just like he himself did for his father. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 to 16 from the Passion Translation. 1 Peter 1, verse 14 to 16. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desire that you have followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, and he quotes Leviticus, You are to be holy because I am holy. From the beginning of the Bible, the Lord is always... You know what? From the beginning of the Bible, we were created like the Father. 
But through disobedience and selfishness and pride, we chose another path. We chose self. And Jesus just restored that. And he says, through Peter's here, he says, Be holy because I am holy. I'm going to read you a quote from a book called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. It says, During the time of Jesus, one rabbi was considered to be as dear as one's own father. And it was traditional for disciples to show the same reverence for their rabbi as their father, or even more. That just amazed me. Doesn't that highlight why they did what they did? Because they saw Jesus as not just... We see, we see rabbi and we just see the word teacher or master. But we saw such a deep emotional reverence for this man. That they loved him. And they had a heartfelt recognition of who Jesus was in their life. The quote continues. It was said in those biblical times that your father brought you into this world, but your rabbi brings you into the life of the world to come. Let me repeat that. Your father brought you into this world, but your rabbi brings you into the life of the world to come. That's what Jesus did for them. And I am blessed to say that that statement rings true in my life. But I am blessed because my father is my rabbi. I have a privilege of my dad being both my natural father and my spiritual father. And I am standing here today in front of you as a product of his faith. Both in the natural and the spiritual. I wouldn't be here in the natural if it wasn't for his faith. He had two daughters and he didn't relent until he had a son. <laughs> and, and standing in the ministry today, I know it's because of my father's prayers for me. I'm truly blessed to walk with, to learn from, like my dad. And I can only pray that in time my heart will be, become like his, with a passionate pursuit of the Lord. I pray you, you were encouraged and blessed what I have to share. And I just want to encourage you that as you look at examples in the Bible and the natural of fathers and sons and mothers and daughters, know that's what the Father heart is for you. We say God is, ne is never changing and He remains the same. Why would He design families any different than He did in the beginning when He created Adam and Eve in the garden? That's His design. This world has forgotten the power that families carry. Where people feel that they need to separate themselves to discover purpose. But purpose is a seed that is planted into the Father's heart. And he releases the sons into that fulfillment of that purpose. So I just want to thank you for this opportunity. I'd like to thank Tim and, and Kelly and their family for this opportunity. And I just pray blessing over this house. Thank you, Stephen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.